Welcome to the Mineral Management Podcast, sponsored by Aptitude Management, an Australian-based corporate training organisation. During this podcast, we discuss everything to do with leading and managing others, from new and seasoned supervisors, frontline management to mid-level leadership. We've got you covered. Your host for today is Colin Dubb. Hi there, and welcome to episode 10 of the Middle Management Podcast, brought to you by Aptitude Management. I'm your host, Colin Dubb, and today we're going to be talking again about leadership and specifically what is known as situational leadership. Now, I have mentioned situational leadership several times in previous podcast episodes, and it's a very important part of being a manager and specifically becoming a much stronger leader. So let's get into it. So if you listen to any of the previous episodes on leadership, you will be aware that I've mentioned a little bit about the different theories. Now, to be noted, there are multiple theories of leadership in the public domain, and some of these are highly actionable, while others, I would say, are probably a little bit more passive. Several of these theories view leadership as a series of personal characteristics, as in trait leadership, comprised of such traits as things like, um, I don't know, a desire to lead, integrity, creativity, ambition, the ability to self-motivate, and a whole lot more. However, others hold the view that leadership consists of the mastery of a specific set of work skills and, and knowledge and behaviors, with the premise being that others will follow you due to your level of perceived expertise. So at Aptitude Management, what we believe is that ultimately forming trusting relationships with your direct reports, promoting ongoing positive social interactions and influencing others towards the achievement of predetermined objectives, this ultimately, my friends, is how one leads. Now, regardless of how you might define leadership, at the end of the day, as a manager, outcomes are what matter and results are what counts. And at the end of the day, again, results are measurable, tangible, and profitable to your organization. Why does situation matter? This is the question that we get asked a lot. One of the key elements of leadership to note are the situational variances. Now, each person on your team has a different set of needs due to personal work histories, knowledge, and expertise. So work situations, they will vary. And this can also occur from working in high-pressure environments, maybe different types of seasonal influences, or general organizational change. Ultimately, what this means is that your leadership style needs to adjust based on the climate that you're working within. And again, we always stress on our workshops that if you endeavor to utilize a one-size-fits-all approach to leadership, this will absolutely pale in significance to adopting a more flexible and adaptable approach. And this approach will do wonders for forming ongoing positive team interactions. It was Dr. Paul Hersey and Ken Blanchard who coined the term situational leadership back in the, in the 1960s. So, you know, full credit given to their work. Hersey and Blanchard, what they advise is that to be an effective leader, you need to adapt your management actions according to the level of your subordinates' knowledge and their skill and their confidence, and then use either a more, what they call a supportive or a more directive leadership style. And 
And on a side note, we haven't actually discussed DISC on this podcast as of yet. That is coming on a future episode. But utilizing DISC, D-I-S-C, behavior style with the situational leadership model, it is incredible. This will do wonders for your capability as a leader. So in further explaining the situational leadership model, in the work done by Paul Hersey and Ken Blanchett on the situational leadership approach, they recognize four leadership styles that tend to resonate with us. Okay, so there are four styles and these four styles are based on two dimensions. So four styles based on two dimensions. And these dimensions are number one, relationship type behavior. And so as a leader, how much support and encouragement someone needs from you. And the second, which is directive behavior, how much task focus and supervision someone needs. Okay, so the four styles based on the two dimensions. Firstly, we have what we call directing behavior. So this is a high directive, yet low supportive behavior style of leadership. Number two is what we call the coaching style of leadership. So this is a very high directive and high supportive type behavior that you exhibit as a leader. And number three is the supporting style. So you are highly supportive, yet low directive in your behavior. And finally, we have what we call the delegating style, which is low supportive and low directive behavior. So breaking down and explaining the styles even further. Firstly, the director style. Now, someone with a director style does well with new employees. And again, you can adapt to this type of style based on the situation. It works well with employees who seem to easily respond to being told what is expected, uh, having strong processes and procedures outlined for them, and having someone ultimately that they can report to or ask questions regularly from. Now, next we have the uh, coaching style. Now, coaches are able to blend supporting your people with directing tasks. Okay, so there's a lot more support there. And this is available to a leader when employees understand what is expected, so they know what they need to do, but they need some range of support in order to take the independent steps and to make things happen. And a coach's style has a much higher degree of involvement in directing tasks with an equally high emphasis on supporting people. Thirdly, you have the supporters style. Now, this style encourages people to come up with solutions and solve problems on their own, and it provides them with the support that they need in terms of tools and resources, but the supporting style shows a, it's a low degree of directiveness, however, a high degree of supporting people and supporting behaviors. And your final but fourth style of leadership is what they call the delegator's style. So delegating means that the delegator holds responsibility for results, but that the work is done by others. The name delegating should be quite sort of self-explanatory. Uh, essentially, this is a very hands-off approach. So this style is one with a low emphasis on directing tasks and an equally low emphasis on providing people support. So basically what you're saying with this style is, this is what needs to be achieved. Can you go ahead and do it? Report back to me when it's complete. 
So we're going to look at starting to break down those different styles and trying to work out when do we use what and when is it appropriate to use which style. So first of all, we all have a comfort zone with one particular style, but there are times when staff performance or own confidence, et cetera, might be in a crisis, we need to adjust. Now, in order to effectively use a situational approach, there are times we need to interpret the current work environment. So for example, if you have new employees working for you, they will need a lot of direction. And as they progress, uh, you might keep up the direction, but then you might start to give them a lot more support and invest a lot of your, a lot more emotional energy, coaching and training, et cetera. And as that employee becomes more proficient in their role, you might uh, pull back the directive behavior a little bit, continue to give them support and kind of let them go on their own and, and see how, how they perform. And then eventually when they become a extremely proficient employee, you might pull back the support, obviously not too much, but you pull back support and you might pull back the directive behavior and get into a lot more of a delegating style. Okay. So observing employee behavior to determine which style to use. So you use a direct and leadership style with employees who have low commitment and low skills levels. And a person with low commitment and low skill levels, they have these types of attitudes and they might say things like, I don't know how to do this. I can't do this. Uh, I did my best, but I'm just not good enough. I've never done this before. Please just show me what to do. Next is you will use a coaching style when you have employees with a high commitment level, but again, they still have low skills. So the person in this quadrant might display the following behaviors and say things like, look, show me how to do it. I want to give it a go. Or I'm not quite sure. I've never done this before, but I'm, I'm motivated. I want to give it a try. So their motivational levels are much higher. They don't have the skills yet, but this is when you want to direct them and show them how to do things. However, you want to give them support to empower them so they can start to grow in your organization. And then you'll use a more supporting style with employees who have a low commitment level, but they have high skills. And the low commitment levels could be for various reasons. Uh, they, they, they could be lacking in motivation. There could be some incident going on. There's a whole lot of reasons that they are low, low committed, but they still have the skills. So the person in this quadrant, they might display the following attitudes and behaviors. They might say things, look, uh, can I run this by you? I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm, if I'm, I'm that confident to do it anymore, or look, I'm not sure I can do this, or look, I've done this before. Can you get somebody else to do it? Or look, do I have to do this again? Or can I just do this later? Basically, their commitment levels are low and you now start to support them. You don't need to show them how to do the work, but you need to support them and find out what is the cause and the lack of motivation. How can I motivate them? How can I empower them? How can I get them working and back on track? And again, finally, you utilize a delegating style when you observe the following behavior. So again, this type of employee, they are very high commitment. They are high committed to the role and they have a very high level of skill. And the person in this quadrant might do and say things like, I have already done it. Um, I'm fine with it. Leave it to me. Uh, no worries. I'm, I'm very confident in this. So I can do this. Uh, and they might even say to you things like, I'm here to help. Uh, let me do it. Like, can I give you a hand? So this employee is very self-sufficient. They're very confident in themselves. They don't need any form of micromanagement. They don't need a lot of support in regards to coaching and training at this point in time. They just need you to give them a lot of trust and let them go ahead and do the work and do the job. And finally, as a manager, what do your behaviors look like? when utilizing the different styles. So I'll give you a very brief breakdown. So when you're utilizing a directing style, 
of management. Uh, you're very clear, you're very direct, and you're very firm, and you ultimately let the employee know that you're watching carefully and that they must regularly check in with you and let you know how they are performing. When you are transitioning over to a more coaching style of leadership, what you are doing a lot more is offering your advice, you're sharing ideas, you're empowering them, and you're trying to make it clear that, that they can do it, that they have the capability, that you have full trust in them, and that you're here to help them along the way, and you're here to guide them, but ultimately, they must start to trust in their own capabilities and abilities. A supporting style of leadership. So ultimately, what you're doing is exactly that. You're offering your support. And most importantly, you're finding ways to motivate that particular employee through new incentives or new tasks or whatever it might be that you as a manager deem adequate to try and empower them, get them motivated and get them hungry to start performing at a level that they once did. And again, finally, the delegating style. So what you're doing as a, as a leader is you're demonstrating trust in the employee's ability clearly demonstrating trust and you're letting them know that you are available to help only if they need your help, but you let them run their own tasks as they seem deem fit and you basically let them go. Now, a final word of caution, these are your, what you'd call your star performers. Just because you take a very hands-off approach to them does not mean that you must neglect them. And this is where you can fall short. If you have star performers, and you're utilizing a delegating style of leadership with them, please always keep in the back of your mind that these types of individuals will still need the support of the organization, still need opportunities, still need regular empowerment and motivation just through different strategies to keep them around, to keep them growing, to stop them from jumping ship and going to work for your competition. Thank you for listening today. Your host was Colin Dubb. The content shared is a small example of what we cover in our management courses. Aptitude Management offers both in-person and online courses for individuals or organisations who need team training. Furthermore, all Aptitude courses are conducted through our program framework consisting of workshop booking consultation, trainer-led skills gap analysis, tailored participant training plan, and post-workshop coaching. If you are interested in finding out more, please visit the Aptitude Management website at www.aptitudemanagement.com.au. Stay tuned for our next episode.